everyone and welcome back to another episode of the life of a fashion student podcast with me your host christina ang if you're surprised at all to hear an episode so soon since the last one i released don't worry i am just a surprise but the reason behind it is because i'm officially done with my semester and therefore officially done with my junior year at parsons it was truly a battle but i'm just happy now that i can take a breather and just enjoy the nice weather and looser COVID guidelines that we have going on here. I don't know how it is for you guys, but at least here in New York City, everything is slowly going back to normal, you know, whatever normal means nowadays. But wherever you are in the world right now, I hope you're doing okay and staying safe as always, just wishing you guys the best. I do want to first apologize if my voice sounds a little like weird. I'm a little bit stuffy because like it's allergy season, I'm sure many of you can relate you know, spring is bringing on the pollen and my nose is just clogged like 24-7, but hopefully you guys can't hear it and hopefully it doesn't sound too weird. But yeah, anyway, I finished off my junior year with a bang. All of the finals and presentations that I gave were personally, I think some of the, my best work that I've ever done. I don't know if any of you feel the same, but do you ever just try to outdo yourself with every project that you do? Like, I always try my best in everything that I do. You guys know that. If it's something that I'm going to be presenting or putting out into the world, then of course I want to do it the best that I can and make something in the end that I'm super proud of. But with that being said, that's kind of how I approach all of my design projects. And I feel like after, you know, every semester, I make projects that I'm super proud of, but each one that I do gets better and better than the last one. To me, it's like a bit of a personal challenge when I can outdo myself and make something better than the last time. I guess that's sort of considered like healthy competition, right? I don't know, maybe I'm being naive, but I think it's certainly a lot healthier than, you know, comparing yourself and being competitive with other people. So I guess if you're competitive with yourself, maybe that's healthier. I don't know. That's honestly all that's been going on with me at this point so far, you know, just finishing school and finishing finals. I did give a lengthier life update in my last week's episode, so if you missed that, definitely give it a listen because we covered a lot that y'all missed when I went on a month-long podcasting hiatus. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode, which, as you guys can tell by the title, is going to be all about my fear of failure and disappointing people. I know you're all probably wondering why I've made this episode about such a specific topic, but honestly, it's just something that I've been wanting to talk more about on here. I think you guys really appreciate the episodes I've been doing that just allow me to open up about myself and you know I'm sure you're all going through this the same thing and this episode is going to be no different in terms of me opening up. If me talking about it on here can help you all feel like you're not alone in your feelings then you know I'll know that I've done my job. But alas this episode idea came to me weirdly in the shower when I was actually listening to another podcast I was listening to Katie Bellotti's podcast called Thick and Thin, and for some reason, something she said made me think about this topic, and I just couldn't get it out of my head after that. So here I am serving this podcast episode for y'all. I will say, though, failure and disappointing people are two very different things. I mean, they're not, like, completely unrelated, but I do want to recognize that they are two very different fears that I have, 
and I'll get into each one a little bit more in depth as we go on into this episode. Those of you who either know me in person or even those of you who have never met me and just listened to this podcast will honestly probably be surprised to hear that I have these fears. The reason I say that is because I get told from a lot of different people that I come off as someone who is very confident, optimistic, and like a very self-assured human being, but honestly, those things couldn't be farther from the truth. And it's not like I intentionally portray myself to the rest of the world as something that I'm not, but I guess it just comes off that way to people, and especially when I put myself out there on social media and even the way I talk on this podcast, I guess. My close friends and obviously my family and like my twin sister, they know exactly what I'm like, and when it comes to being confident and self-assured, They could tell you that that's not always the case when it comes to me. So that leads me into two of my biggest fears, one of them being the fear of failing and the second being my fear of disappointing people. I kind of wanted to treat them as two different things, you know, break them down separately and explain to y'all what triggers each of them. So we're going to start off with my fear of failure. I don't want to speak for everyone, but I feel like most people can relate to this fear because I'm sure we can all agree that nobody wants to fail at anything. But what does it really mean to fail? I know we're getting a little bit deep here, but I seriously never really thought long and hard about what it means to fail. I just always told myself and other people that I have an irrational fear of failing. But then again, I didn't really understand what that meant. To me, failing at something equates to me having expectations of how something should go, and when it doesn't go that way, that's when I believe I have failed. That's just my own definition of failing, but now I'm realizing that failing could mean something entirely different to someone else. The only person I was really able to consult with for more information on this topic was the interwebs, of course, so that's exactly what I did, and boy did I find a lot on this topic. The majority of what I found online actually talked about the problems with our current definition of failure and success. But without saying any more, let me just share with you all what I read up on. I came across a Forbes article written by someone named Carly Syme. And you know, Forbes is pretty reputable, so I'm going to share with you guys what it said. Failure is defined as an absence or lack of success. This is a pretty general purpose definition. It allows us to personally define success so that we can know whether or not we have failed. The main problem here is that most of us aren't great at defining success. This could leave us feeling like failures when in fact we're actually the opposite. Working and living like this doesn't honor or respect the effort we put into our lives. It's time to redefine. I can definitely relate to that entire statement right there because I know and some of you may know just how hard I can be on myself when it comes to things like this and just defining what success means. I get told so often from people that I'm way too hard on myself, especially when I put myself out there on social media. I get a lot of people who reply to my stories telling me that I should give myself a breather more often and they're certainly not wrong. I think I am quite hard on myself and it's not on purpose, but... I just set my own expectations so high and when I don't meet them, that's when I feel complete disappointment and failure. And that's why I love the last line that was stated in the Forbes article where she says, working and living like this doesn't honor or respect the effort we put into our lives. And literally, that couldn't be more true. I am super hard on myself in terms of reaching my final outcome and if it's not what I was expecting it to be, then I get so mortified and just like sad and depressed and all that kind of stuff. 
And, you know, often I don't really give myself a pat on the back or even recognize all the work that I put into reaching that point. And obviously that's like a bad sign that you're not appreciating the effort that you put in. So that's why I really loved everything that that article stated, especially that line. And also towards the end, Carly was talking about redefining these definitions of success and failure. And so by the end of the article, she actually provides a much better way to define these two terms. Success, as defined by her, is the state of living and working according to our values. And so the opposite of that, failure, is simply the state of living and working in a way that isn't aligned with our values. So in this way, what Carly's talking about is in order to redefine these concepts of success and failure, then we have to start defining them based on our values. In doing it this way, it allows us to have control over our own definitions of success and it puts us, not your boss, not your professors, or anyone else in control of whether or not you fail or succeed. That's why I truly agree with everything that Carly mentioned in her article and it was just so enlightening to me because I never really had anyone spell it out for me in that way that she did in her article. Of course, you might not always find success all the time, but at least by doing it the way that she mentioned, you'll be able to appreciate the hard work and effort that goes into it and you'll recognize that you tried your best, which as you guys know is a big problem for me apparently. While throughout my search online, I also found some resources that listed out the signs that may signify if you have a fear of failure, and the three that I found came to include, number one, having past experiences where you've failed, especially if the experiences were traumatic or had important consequences, number two, learning to fear failing through different situations, and number three, you're just a perfectionist. And I think for me personally, the third one really hit the spot. I'm sure you guys know by the amount of times I mention it on here that I am the perfectionist of all perfectionists. But unless you are super close with me, you wouldn't really understand the extent of my perfectionism. To give you guys a good idea of just how much of a perfectionist I am, I'm sure you're all familiar with creating prototypes of something before, you know, you do the final thing. Well, I guess somehow I just don't understand the concept of what a prototype is because my prototypes for my final project was completed to an absolute T. All finished hems, perfect stitches, all of that. Even my professor was so confused when I showed him my prototype and he was asking me if it was the finished one because it just looks so like perfect. Um, and it wasn't the finished one, it was just a prototype where I was supposed to like test out my ideas and it was just supposed to be a test basically, that's what a prototype is. So yeah, I'm not really sure where I was going with all of that, but I just wanted to give you all a good idea of how much of a perfectionist I really am. And I've told you guys this so many times and like time and time again, but I have always pretty much been like this ever since I was little with everything I would do. I could just never leave things without them being exactly how I wanted them to be in my head. But moving on, I came across another part of the article that I found really interesting and Something that I've never known and it was two other ways that people can come to develop fears and phobias. The first way is through something called observational learning experience. And this is when you develop a fear of failure through watching someone else fail. An example of this would be if you grew up with a caregiver who was afraid of failing, it might make you more likely to feel the same in your own life. And the second situation of how you can develop a fear is called informational learning. And it's when you develop a fear after reading or hearing about someone else's experiences. 
So not even like experiencing it yourself. Apparently you can develop fears by just reading other people's fears, which is like completely insane. And lastly, they also mentioned a very few rare cases where you can be more susceptible to fears due to your genetics. I don't know, I found it kind of interesting to learn more about where fears come from because I myself have never really taken the time to learn about my own fears and their origins. But if you are dealing with a fear of failure, don't you worry, you are not alone in this and I hope this helps some of you at least and open your eyes to a new way of looking at this concept of success and failure. So let's get into my other biggest fear, which is my fear of disappointing people. And honestly, myself sometimes, I have like a big fear of disappointing myself. I hate to say it though, but sometimes I do care more about disappointing other people than disappointing myself, which is not the best thing. It's super weird because when it comes to caring what others think of me, I've already accepted that not everyone is going to have a positive response to the things that I say or do, which is okay, you know, I've learned to accept that a long time ago, but for some reason, I just can't stand disappointing other people. I've sat with myself multiple times to try and think about why I feel this way, but I can't seem to find a specific reason as to why. The only thing I could come up with is how I'm afraid of how people will perceive me once I disappoint them and, you know, what's going to happen to my reputation, what will it become to those people that I've disappointed. So, I mean, I guess in the end it all goes back to me caring what other people think, so, you know, I guess I'm not as accepting of it as I thought I was. But anyway, uh, just like with my fear of failure, I did my fair share of research of the fear of disappointing people and I found some really interesting insights that I thought I'd share with you guys. I ended up coming across this TED Talk online by someone named Janice on why people don't get what they want. And it was extremely insightful, like it just changed my entire perception of life and I literally just shared it on my Instagram stories for people to watch it as well. I definitely think I've mentioned this on here, but I am a sucker for any and all TED Talks. I don't think I've ever listened to a bad TED Talk. I feel like I've come out of listening to all TED Talks learning at least one important lesson, whether it was, you know, about life or about fashion. It doesn't matter what it was about. I just, I listen to all and every TED Talks, even if they're not about something related to my life. And you guys all know this, but it's my dream to one day give a TED Talk of my own. So when that day comes, don't you worry, I will definitely pass along all of the details to you guys so you can come and support me in that and see my dreams through. But anyway, getting back to this particular TED Talk, she first opened her talk by asking how many people wanted to win the lottery. Of course, everyone's hands in the room went up immediately because who wouldn't want to win the lottery? She then followed up her question by asking how many people have actually bought lottery tickets in the past year, and then as expected, majority of the people's hands that were up suddenly went down. The reason behind this, she explained, was because most of us want to win the lottery, but none of us actually expect to win. And when you think about what you would do in this situation, that holds very true. I rarely, if at all, buy lottery tickets because I always think that the chances of me winning are actually so slim. And it was exactly what she described. I don't expect to win the lottery, but I want to win the lottery. And therefore, I don't buy lottery tickets because I don't expect to win. But the learning lesson behind this is that most of us act based on what we expect and not what we want. That is basically the entire premise of the TED Talk and Janice explains about how detrimental that can be to us in terms of getting what we actually want in life. 
And when we actually think about this closely, it makes complete sense. The example she gave in her talk besides the lottery one was of someone who was going to a first date and had bad expectations of how it was going to go based on her past dates. She used the past to predict her future and in that way she acted based on her expectations and, you know, in the end the date didn't go so well. I resonated with that example so closely because I remember one of the first times I went on a date with someone through a dating app because I never really actually meet people on the dating apps but before that date I had a lot of mixed emotions about dating from dating apps. Um, I didn't really think that you could find a decent person through them and I don't know that's just what I thought at the time. I still low-key kind of think that way. So going into that day my expectations were already so low to the ground and just not what they should have been. I definitely should have been having higher expectations and like giving myself more hope but at that time I was a big believer which I'm sure most of you are as well, that if you went into something with low expectations, then you'll come out of it feeling a lot better, even if it exceeded your expectations by just a little bit. And that did reign true because that date went a lot better than I was expecting it to be. But needless to say, that date did not go the way that I wanted it to go. And the reason for that, according to what Janice was saying, is because I acted with my expectations in mind and not what I wanted to happen. I was expecting the date to go bad, so, you know, in that way, it didn't go well. If I went into that date with what I wanted in mind, who knows, there could have been an entirely different outcome and, you know, I could be dating that person right now, you know, just saying. So, not sure if you guys are understanding my example completely because it's kind of like messy and complicated, but just think back to your own lives in a situation where you acted based on what you expected and not what you wanted. Going back to Janice's talk, she concluded the entire TED Talk by providing three simple steps on how we can change our expectations to match up with what we want so that we can take consistent action and I thought it'd be helpful to go through these steps with you guys and provide some examples from my own life. I highly encourage you all to do this along with me and even if you want to write it down or take some notes because I really think that these steps are going to change your life and the way that you approach situations. The first thing you're going to do and what I'm going to do with you guys is to imagine an upcoming event and preferably something that you're having a negative reaction to and something that you're expecting the outcome to turn out negative. I say that because if you're feeling a positive emotion towards something, then there's no point trying to change those positive outcomes. So think of a negative situation, not a positive one. Uh, I know this sounds kind of like morbid and sad, but we're going to kind of shift those negative expectations. The first thing that comes to mind for me that I have a negative reaction towards is starting school next semester. And I know, I know, it's like four months away and I still have the summer to go through, but still I'm feeling quite anxious about it. So that's the event that I'm going to take you guys through in my own example. Step number one is to ask yourself, how is what I'm expecting making me feel? So I'm going to take you guys through that in my own example. In starting school next semester, I am expecting it to involve a lot of stress and anxiety, a lot of hard work, sleepless nights, frustration, and just a lot of overall negative emotions. And how my expectations are making me feel are pretty much all of those same feelings. It makes me feel stressed about what's to come in the future, anxious to start school next semester, and just so many negative emotions that nobody wants to feel. Step number two of this process is to then ask yourself, what would you like to happen instead? 
in my own personal situation, going back to my, you know, starting school example, I would like to have everything figured out by my senior year. I want to be in a good place where I won't be stressed out and worrying about deadlines. And of course, in my senior year, I just want to be able to create stuff that I love and that I'm proud of. And then finally, step number three is to think about what do you need to do to make what you want happen? And you're all probably like, okay, why is this important in helping me achieve the things that I want? And the way that Janice explains it is because when you have negative expectations about a future event, it's because you're focused on all the things that could go wrong. And you're not generating thoughts and ideas about how to make it go right. So by asking yourself what you need to do to get those things that you want, you're going to essentially be laying out a plan for yourself on how to get those things and therefore you begin to see the possibilities of actually getting what you want, even though you originally thought it was out of reach. You guys all know that I never really do things like this or even go as far as to plan out what I need to do in order to achieve the things that I want. But I do realize that a lot of the outcomes that I make for myself really are directly related to my original expectations and I'm noticing that if I want to change those outcomes, then I have to start acting based on what I want and not what I'm expecting. So step number three for me in my own personal situation would be that I need to spend the summer planning out what I'm going to be doing for my senior thesis and getting all of those moving parts in place. I started to realize that the reason I'm having these negative emotions towards starting school next semester is because... I'm afraid that I won't be prepared for my senior year and that I'll be behind and that my thesis won't turn out the way that I want it to. But if I've learned anything from that TED talk, the only way to get rid of those negative thoughts and expectations is to think about what I need to do in order to make what I want actually happen. And so I recognize that I'll need to put in some work over the summer in trying to prepare for my thesis so that when the time comes next semester, I won't be as stressed and I'll have figured out a lot of the important fine details. So yeah, I really hope this entire talk about redefining success and acting on what you want inspired some of you to think about all that I've mentioned. I really did miss doing episodes like this where it involved a lot of in-depth research I mean, all of my episodes involve some research in one way or another, but this week I really tried hard to find some great resources to share with y'all and I'm super happy with how this episode turned out because, you know, it inspired me to do a lot of things and to change my mindset in a lot of ways as well. So be expecting to hear a lot of new episodes from me this summer because I've got some great podcast episode ideas coming up that you guys should be super excited about. As always, I want to thank you guys for tuning into this podcast and to hit that follow button if you're liking what you're hearing. If you have any ideas for future episodes, give me a DM on Instagram because I would love to hear them. Anyway, love you guys so much and see you on the next episode of the Life of a Fashion Student podcast.